Many years ago, first off, that makes me feel old because it's kind of true. Many years ago, I served in a church about an hour away from here, more towards central Pennsylvania, where I served as youth pastor. It was a Sunday morning. We were in worship service, and this was back in those times when pastors or people who were participating in a worship service would often sit like on the side of the stage, right? That's not my favorite thing to do because you're like seated up there and you feel like you're under the microscope. Everybody's watching you and you wonder if there's something wrong with your face or what's going on, like all of those things. Yeah. And so I remember being there and actually it was a spot in service where we were standing. So I was standing off to the side and the the worship leader was finishing a song. He was on the keyboard and he was like holding things and just like holding a note to kind of keep this service moment rolling. And he said to the congregation, now, if you would join me as we turn to prayer to, to together come and say the Lord's prayer. And he paused. Now, a natural pause makes sense, right? We all need to collect our thoughts, collect our brains for just a little bit. Give us a chance to breathe. Take this moment. The pause made sense. This wasn't planned in service. Saying this together wasn't something that had been prepared. That's okay. It's the Lord's prayer. There's a good chance most of the congregation could say it. Now, they may disagree on debts or trespasses, right? Some of us, some of us who are older, we're back to that again. Like we learned it in King James Version, you know what I mean? And so like we say it a little different style than maybe we say today in service, but whatever. It's, we could fumble our way through this, it would be fine. And, and even those who don't know it, we recognize, well, this is taught in, in Sunday school, right? Isn't this a children's prayer? Isn't, isn't it a children's prayer? Yeah, it's, it's okay. Anybody can throw it out there. You've seen it on television and you've maybe seen it in a movie. And so we're familiar with the Lord's prayer. So we'll say it. So pause, prepare yourself. But the problem was the pause kept going. Now, a little bit of pause, right? A little bit of pause is good, but more pause gets awkward, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That little bit of silence, like it starts to get weird in a moment and it started to get weird, but the pause kept going. I can remember being on the side of the stage, right? And I recognize that people were, I'm in the scope of everything, right? And so like, I, I can't do too much. And I'm, it's clicking to me. What I think is clicking to some people is, is that this worship leader who has said the Lord's Prayer probably hundreds, if not thousands of times, who in most normal moments could snap their fingers and just rattle it off without thinking, has gone blank, right? It's just disappeared from their brain. And so I'm off to the side, right? And I'm doing what any good friend or, you know, does, right? And I start to, without like, again, no face movement, right? Try to keep like everything because people are watching. I just start to try to say like, our father, right? Maybe if, if they're not catching, you throw it into a cough, right? Our father, right? You, you just kind of, it's a sneeze, it's a cough, it's whatever you want. Like you get it out there because you know if they just get those two words, it's just going to flow, right? It's just going to come and happen and you try to help them out. Like we've been there. It's okay in this moment, right? But they weren't catching on. And the pause grew. Finally, we just said it, right? We just, we just jumped in for them. Our father. And so I say it to you now, as I probably said it then, just off the top of my mind, the way I learned it in Sunday school, the way it's engraved in my mind, you can kind of say it to yourself the way maybe you know it. If not, listen and process, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. These words are a central part of our faith. They are words that were not given to children, although I think it's wonderful that our kids learn it in Sunday school as often as possible. But these words were not given to children. In fact, these words were specifically given to us. Jesus' disciples, people who had already chosen to follow him, they were given to his disciples in how to pray. Words from Jesus. They are so central that, yes, at times in their repeatability, right, they can almost get forgotten. They can become almost mundane in the repetition and practice. I think its meaning can be lost. But if we're honest with ourselves, everything from Jesus is pretty valuable, right? And so if Jesus says, this is how you should pray, these could mean and should mean a lot for our lives. Now, we just read this in Scripture. Jesus didn't say, pray these exact words. Sometimes we try to pray these exact words and that's okay to have that. What he did say was, this is how you should pray. Meaning regularly, daily, pray the heart, pray the truth, pray and unlock the meaning of these words in your lives regularly. And that matters. This matters. We know that our daily words matter. You are going to have a conversation with yourself more every day than anybody else in this world. You talk to yourself more. And hopefully we talk to God a whole lot, right? And so our conversations with ourselves and our conversations with God, the words we use, the things we say, they reinforce and they solidify our truths that we hold on to and that we live by more than anything else. And so these words, these daily words of truth, they matter. They shape how we think. They will shape how we live. And of course, that will empower us and will shape how we love. Further, it will allow us to find hope and peace, contentment and joy in whatever the world brings our way. And we know in our world right now what we face where many of us feel like we don't understand what we see in the world around us, where we feel like we are out of touch or out of place. We need words like these right now. So I encourage you to focus in. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer this week and next week. This passage contains Jesus' instructions to his disciples about prayer. These two messages, they are about us as disciples. And so they are discipleship sermons. They are discipleship messages for us, meaning they are messages that are there to empower us to live like Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of this time together, is to empower us so that what we learn and hold during this time, what, we, what God lays upon our heart, we can then take into our lives and we can be him with our families, with our friends, with our communities, with our church. May these words shape everything about our daily walk and empower us to live for Jesus Christ. God, as we gather now, we ask that you would bless us. God, bless us as we seek to shape our intimate conversations with you and with ourselves, with your truth and your guidance. God, I ask that you would bless the flow of this time. May this conversation, may these words be meaningful to us. May we grasp the importance of this prayer for our lives. May it not be something we have just now. May it be something we carry with us always, God. Amen. Amen. 
the Lord's Prayer is divided into two sections. It's actually two sections of three. The first section is three statements towards God, three statements about God that we make in this prayer. Then there are three statements that are made towards our needs. Really, we're asking for help in certain areas. This week, we're going to look at that first section that is towards God that really focus and culminate with the statement, God, your will be done. Jesus tells us to pray to God, your will be done. What is the purpose and power behind that line? Why would he ask us to make that statement, your will be done? I grew up loving a movie called The Princess Bride. This was a part of my like young life experience that I've like carried on most of my life. The Princess Bride is a movie that I enjoy. It's actually something that recently we've begun sharing with our children and having like, we have family movie nights. And so this is one of the movies that's like high on that list for us as a family to watch. We really enjoy The Princess Bride and why not, right? It's got everything. It's got sword fights. That's amazing, right? It's got romance that even I can bear, right? It's like, it's got romance done in a way that even I can like sit through and be okay with. It's got miracles, rhyming giants. It's got rodents of unusual size. That's right. Rodents of unusual size. It's got so many wonderful things. You could almost say it's inconceivable. Yes. Some of you who knew the movie knew I was going there at some point, right? Like, I had to. I had to. Now, early in the movie, we're introduced to the love story between a young man and a young woman. The young man continually says to the young woman, whenever she requests something of him, right, he says these important words, as you wish. She'll ask him to do all kinds of things, sometimes even slightly ridiculous things, and he'll continue to say, right, as you wish. And what she begins to see is he says it with, with such care that, that when he says, as you wish, those words mean so much more than just, I'm going to do what you ask. It means I, I trust you. It means I am devoted to you. I'm dedicated to you. Most importantly, it comes to mean, I love you. Those words mean more. When we are instructed to say these words to God, your will be done. Wow, that sounds like a request, just a simple request to God for the world. In truth, there is so much more that is behind those words when we say to God, your will be done. Jesus wants us to pray these words because he wants the truth of them to be encompassed, to be repeated through our, our mind and our heart to the point where the truth of them overflows in, and becomes the foundation for who we are and what we do. And so as we want to live by these words, let's think about them in their most practical sense as we begin. God's will be done. God, your will be done. In terms of the greater theme of the world, like the greater story of creation and where the world is going, can we really even pray that in a way that it's going to make a difference? Like, oh God, I'm, I am now praying to give you the official instructions that your will can be done in the world, right? Like, is that something we can say to God? Like, oh God, whatever your plan was, I'm in agreement. Let's make that happen. Let's see if that can go. Yeah, that's not something we can do in the greater scheme of things for us to say, God, your will be done. That's, that's not something we can do. What do we know about God's will? And this is important. We know that God's greater will for the, the world, creation, where we're headed, how the story goes, how is it going to end, that God's will is going to happen. Nothing can change that. 
Hold that truth in. Remember that. When you look around the world, if you get discouraged, remember this wonderful blessing. No king, no ruler, no nation, no politician, no pastor, no leader, no natural disaster. Nothing can stop God's will for this world from happening. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. This line is not about us truly stating that God's will is going to be done. Hold on. If you're discouraged at times, hold on. His will is going to be done. It is going to be done. This line is not about us stating that it's going to happen. It is about us embracing that truth for ourselves, for our love and care for God. It is about every feeling of devotion, dedication, trust, reverence, determination, and most importantly, love that is commuted, communicated, that is truly grasped when we say those words, God, your will be done. So what are we fully believing and feeling and saying? I want to encourage you this morning to embrace some truths about how daily, this daily theme of prayer, this daily direction to ask God for us to pray to God for his will to be done will greatly impact your life and your walk with God. The first thing we communicate with God, your will be done, is that we are embracing trust of God. We are saying that we believe that God is king in this world, that he is ruler, Lord, and the ultimate power that there is. We are embracing the truth that he will win, that all will be made right someday, that he is absolutely and positively in control. He is king and his will will be done. Why is this important to daily communicate? I don't know about you, but there are some days I wake up and I see things and I'm a little shaken. There are some days when I need the reinforcement from whatever life has thrown me, from whatever I see in the world, and I need this steady hand reminder that his will is going to happen. His will will be done. I need that truth. It's further a reminder. It's a reminder of what prayer is about, right? See, we don't start in the Lord's prayer with our needs, right? We get there eventually, that's going to always happen in prayer, but we don't start there. We start with God because we recognize that's what prayer is about, starting with God. Prayer is not about us trying to bend God to our needs. Prayer is communication with God. It is a relationship. And so prayer is not about us changing God. Prayer is about God changing us. It's about us being made to be more like Jesus Christ more like God in our lives, in our choices, in our words, in our actions. It is about us being like him and ultimately choosing to submit to his will. And I believe nothing helps us more to that than the comfort of knowing he's got everything together. He's got it together. His will, we trust it, we believe it, we embrace it. So far so that it becomes the foundation for us in life. So that no matter what the world throws at us, we know the future is on solid ground. We believe and ultimately whatever we face, we have peace, contentment, hope, and even joy. We know that God's will will be done. And it leads us to embrace this. This truth that the question for our lives has never been, will God's will be done? 
But for us, the question will be, will we mature? Will we grow to a place where we choose to participate in his will? Will I choose to be a part of the story of God's will? The great example of this in scripture is Esther. In Esther, we see this moment, right, where she becomes queen and, and she has this chance to speak up. God's people are being persecuted. They're about to be put to death, like they're going to be attacked. And Esther has an opportunity to speak up in this moment. And, and the way she initially views things, she thinks she has one of two choices. She can speak up, maybe put her life on the line. Her life would be at risk and she can speak up though and maybe save her people. Or she can stay quiet and she might be okay, but her people are probably going to die. That's the, that's the choice she thinks she has. But of course, Mordecai comes to her with her real choice, a reminder of how the world really works in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. He says this to her. He says, Esther 4, if you remain silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance for the Jews, it's going to arise. It will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? What do we understand this to mean? We recognize that if it's God's will for his people to be saved, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be saved with or without Esther's help. They are going to be saved. His will will be done. What is Esther's choice? To be a part of the story, to be a part of God's will or not. So Wesleyan Church, we believe in free will. And so we recognize that God's greater will for this world, it's going to happen. But when we get that chance to make that statement, God, your will be done, we get a chance to say to God, I want to be a part of it. I choose to not just recognize what your hand is going to do in this world. I want to be a part of the story, God. I want to be a part of the story. I want your will. For my life, I want it. Why does Jesus ask us to state God's will be done? So we embrace the truth of it. As Matthew chapter 6 verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 taught us that we read leading up to this prayer and we recognize as we ask that, that his, his kingdom come and hallowed be his name, what we're really stating before we ever get to ourself is we're stating that this is not about us. Everything is about God. Let us state, believe, and embrace this is all about him. He is king. He is Lord. His will be done. His will be done. We pause for a second. Is that okay? Yeah, I know I can talk fast sometimes. Is that okay? Everybody's keeping up. You're doing that. Whatever. All right, maybe not. Okay, here we are. Let's go back to Princess Bride. Can we go back to the Princess Bride? I need more Princess Bride in my life. So we're going back there. Certain lines in the movie, and if you haven't seen the movie, you're pretty much going to have to go watch it now, right? Yeah, I've kind of ruined that for you. You're going to have to go watch it. But certain lines in the movie are like wonderfully delivered. And it's not just the line that's of value. It's how it is said, right? That makes it meaningful. Like when someone says something preposterous, like, oh, they're not dead. They're just mostly dead, right? Like, like mostly dead. How is that a thing, right? Like that's important. And when they talk and, and we're not just introduced to marriage, right? Like marriage would be one thing, but we're introduced to what? Mowage, right? Yeah. Which is totally better than marriage. I need to like get mowaged. All right. Yeah. I, that's just, that's a such better thing. It sounds like it, right? So we're introduced to those things. And the inflection, the meaning matters. There's a moment in the as you wish line that matters so much, right? Because every time the as you wish is delivered from the young man to the young woman, it's not said sarcastically. 
Sometimes that seems a little preposterous to me. There's a moment in the movie where the young woman asks for a pot to be, getting, to be got for her, right? Like, ask for a pot. She says, can you get this pot? And it's, she's standing, and it's right here, right? It's like, right, like, can you move across the room and get this thing that's like right there, you know? And, and I see that, and I ask myself, if my wife, Julie... Asked me to get the pot that was right there. Would I do it? I want you to know that I think highly enough of myself to say that I would get it. All right? That I would get it. Would I do it without sarcasm? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No chance, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no chance of that happening. But this young man, of course, says with no sarcasm, with all heart, he really feels it. And he says, as you wish. Can we say that when we say your will be done to God? The further truth of embracing this theme of prayer, this daily theme in our lives, is we want to grow to a place where we not just believe in the power of God's will, we come to a place where we recognize that we actually want his will more than we want our own will. We don't just embrace that everything is about God. We further embrace that God's will is always good. It is always better than our will. It is the best. I want to be at a place where I can say, God, your will be done, and I want it. Even when it goes against the strong opinions of my will, of my view of the future, of my political opinions, of who I, I think the world should be shaped like and how things should be run, of, of my opinions for my family and my own personal career and future, I want to be at a place where I can say, God, your will be done if it goes against any of those thoughts of my own, may his will be done. May we further grasp the weight of this, the power of this. We pray for his kingdom to come. If we want the goodness and the richness of his kingdom in our lives, if we want his kingdom to come in our families and in our circles and relationships and friendships, if we want the goodness and the richness of his kingdom in our lives, we have to submit to his will. If we want his kingdom in our lives, we have to submit to his will. In the Old Testament, we find an incredible example of this attitude in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They are placed in a moment where the ruler at that time says, you have to bow down to these images, these statues that I've made, and you have to worship them. And of course, they say, no, we only worship God. We're not going to do that. And so the, the ruler gets angry and threatens to throw them into this fiery furnace, right? And we see this amazing statement that they make to the ruler before they are thrown into the furnace. In Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But the moment gets better. That's a great statement. They're about to make an amazing statement. They continue. But even if he does not, meaning if God lets us burn to a crisp, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They chose to do God's will. And they accepted those results no matter what. If God decided that, that death was best for them, for their future, for the world and its future, then so be it. His will is good. His will is better. His will is best. 
May his will be done. So where does this take us as we close? Many years ago, yes, I'm back to calling myself old. We're back where we began. Many years ago, when I was on staff here for the first time around working with children and youth, I decided to pray this prayer or something close to it every day. That has mostly happened. It's not every day, but most days this has been the case. And I can speak to you from the power of this continual foundation of truth, the blessings of its comfort and peace and direction poured into my life. Speaking, praying, embracing truth over and over again has shaped my heart and my mind. And I hope it is evident in my life that it has shaped my love and who I choose or who I want to be. Some of us right now, we need the comfort of this prayer. And I encourage you to take it every day in moments where you need it, when you wake up and when you go to bed so that you can go to bed, take it. We look around the world, we don't feel comfortable. So much is out of control. We feel we don't recognize it. We don't feel at home. For some of us, relationships have turned our family upside down. It could be our marriage. It could be our our close family, but relationships that are hurting and there's so much we don't know, we don't understand, we don't know how to fix. And there are many of us who are facing personal heartache, personal sickness, personal darkness. All of that weighs on us. It impacts the words we use, the things we discuss, how we treat others, how we can love, how we can be. Our inner conversations with God and with ourselves in this matter. I encourage you, like a weighted blanket, daily wrap yourself in the truth of this prayer. His will be done. Feel its comfort, security, peace, and joy. Let it impact you let it wonderfully overflow in how you live. God's will will be done. Embrace it. Trust it. He is king. He is Lord. He prevails. All will be made right. His will be done. And if I can speak directly to the people of faith out there who are right now feeling disillusioned, disenchanted, disencouraged, discouraged by what you see in the Christian church. At times, I encourage you to hold on to this truth. The church needs you. We need your voice. We need your life. We need your love. Don't lose hope. Remember his will be done. For many of us here, we are ready. We are ready for this daily prayer to impact what we want and what we seek. That we seek not our will, but God's. May this prayer and this truth in our lives remind us to push aside our selfishness. He is greater and he knows better. May we be excited to live like he would want us to live and to answer his calling for our lives. In this, I can only speak to you from my own experience, but I have grown to see again and again his will is better. Whatever my opinions are, however I think life should be, his will has always been better. And my life has always been better when it's in his will. Can I be vulnerable with you? I speak now not to promote anything but the goodness of God's will, and so I speak to you from my most recent journey in this. 
for our family, moving back to Bethany Wesleyan Church was not the easiest of decisions to just make. Probably no moving decision is, but it was not. Before coming here, I was the lead pastor at a Wesleyan church in in western New York. And I know that sometimes we see pastors move around and you think that they move around because things were rough or difficult at a certain place. That was not my experience. My experience was a wonderful one. Every year that church grew substantially in numbers, in health, and in faith. Every year. Even during COVID, when attendance numbers were harder to distinguish, our online presence grew and our weekly offerings increased. When I arrived at that church the first time, they, 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 they talked to me about how they had this dream of this family life center that had been the dream for years. During COVID, we set in the motion the building of that, the fundraising of it. During COVID, not only did our general offering increase substantially, we raised a quarter to a third of the money needed for that project. It was one of those moments where you could see everything shaping up, coming together. That dream that had been there, it was coming to reality. And it was in that moment where it seemed like things were were right there. Our family heard God's call to move. Transparently, I had invested a lot there. My time, my job security, right? All of those things. This is ego talking, and I admit that this is ego talking, but there were moments where I wanted to feel like I could relate to King David, right, who was asked to build God's temple, but God said, not you. And so he brought all the things together for someone else to have the victory, and I felt like that, right? Like, brought all this together to hand the victory to someone else. But I want you to know I already see it. I see that congregation beginning to forget me and to accept a new pastor and their vision and direction. And it's a good, wonderful thing. I see what this step has done for my family. For my wife to use her God-given gifts, which are overflowing to impact people's lives. That is a blessing I can't completely communicate to you in. I've seen my children come to a church. I already see the process of people speaking into their lives, pouring into them, communicating things that I can't say as their parent, but I once said into their lives that I can see that happening and I cannot say how much I appreciate that. But maybe more than any of those things, I see myself and my chance to be more of the husband and dad and presence in their life that I want to be. That alone would tell me that God's will is greater. Please hear. His will is greater. I encourage you to unlock the truth of this prayer. Make it a part of your life. Seek his will. Find the comfort of its truth. And allow yourself to be empowered to seek his will above everything else. His will is not just good. It is the best. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.